Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Center at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. Joining me today is Jamin Moore of uh, Quake's Epicenter. Is that the... Is that that, the you got it. Quake's Epicenter. Uh, we also do a show called The Aftershock, so that, that little bit of brain confusion we throw in there as well, yes. and, and I do some stuff on the side for American Soccer Analysis as well, so any of, any of the above. Well, the thing that uh, I, I got a chance to be Jamin, at the last time the Sounders and uh, Earthquakes played in Seattle, because you're apparently, this is where you live. Yeah, we, I just moved to the area. Uh, a bit south of the city, and uh, you know that was my first opportunity actually to catch a game at the stadium, and uh, and I've gotten to go to a couple more. I went to one of the league's cup games, and and went to the the double header because I wanted to see some NWSL action, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, it's starting to become old hat now already around uh, around Lumen Park, Lumen yeah, Field, yeah. Lumen Field. I gotta get get that right. Yeah, no, no, it's it's still a tongue twister for a lot of us because this is a relatively new change. But uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, I I am fascinated by the earthquakes right now. Uh, it, I think it's very interesting in part because the last time the Sounders and Quakes played, uh, the Quakes were in a four-game unbeaten streak, and we were joking about how it's about as soft of a four-game unbeaten streak as you could have because it was four yeah, absolutely. ties. Absolutely, and and it really did seem like this the Quake season had not just. Uh, was not just spiraling out of control. It had already crashed in a lot of ways, it seemed at the time. But lo and behold, the Quakes win that game. They end up going on a pretty long unbeaten streak. They, they, they end up getting a few more wins in there. And right now they're sitting on 19 points to their last 11 games, uh, which is right up there top three or four in the league uh, over that stretch of games. And you're right back in the playoff race. Shades of 2020, right, Jeremiah? Remember... When the earthquakes came to Lumen Field in 2020, and yes, of course, you know it was COVID and everything was weird and all that kind of stuff, and and uh, you know what was it a six-one game? It was that is one, I believe. Yeah, I mean it was a pounding, right? <laughs> and everyone said the quakes are done, they're over. Matias should be fired. Jesse Fiorinelli, who yes. got fired this season, should have been fired last season. Uh, you know, according to everything that happened in that game. Only Matias Almeida would walk away from a game like that, completely unscathed, job in check, right? And, uh, you know, sure enough, he did. And guess what? You know, they kind of reverted to their mean or whatever, I guess, and ended up, you know, squeaking into the playoffs, grabbing the seventh spot, and really kind of gave Sporting Kansas City a run for the money in the playoffs. Yeah. It's kind of a repeat of that in some ways, right? You know, I mean, there's, I... they, they hit a bottom, but their bottom this season was earlier, I guess. Yeah. And so it's given them a bit more time to kind of like build this kind of slow ramp back up the standings. Um, it's been kind of interesting from that re respect. And it, it, 
And is it me or does it seem like this is sort of the thing that Matias Almeida's teams have done where they look really bad and everyone says like, well, clearly Almeida's thing doesn't work. Like, like we thought it worked, but now we know it doesn't. <laughs> I've said he's it. getting blown out. He's getting it. Yeah, exactly. He's getting blown out every week. Uh, this is this is clearly the the beginning of the end for Matias Almeida, and then like a phoenix rising from the ashes, somehow he makes the Quakes competitive. And you know, no one they're not winning supporter shields, they're not contending for MLS Cups, but they are a really competitive team. They don't seem to like, even though there are individual games where every now and then, it, like the sound like that game last year that you referenced, it seems like maybe the Quakes are giving up, but clearly. The results show that they're not. I mean, they, they're getting buy-in. They like that's one of the things that Brian Schmetzer loves constantly says that he loves about the Quakes is that this is a team that just keeps fighting. Is that what is going on here? I I wish I knew. Uh, the one thing that I will say is different in 2021 than 2020 is I believe Matias Almeida has turned a corner and realized, unlike. Uh, his his mentor who uh, who manages Leeds United in the EPL you probably know and uh, he's turned a corner and realized that this team is not going to impose their will on every team in MLS particularly those that are on the top of the table and he's really become quite flexible now Um, and one of the things that you and I noticed was this kind of like he moved away from the man marking in that last game against Seattle and they played like this mid block three, four, three, and got a goal, you know, kind of against the run of play uh, right before the end of the first half. And then just kind of hung on with, you know, kind of, you know, gutsy defensive performance and got a little bit lucky with uh, Rui Diaz missing a couple, uh, you know, close, close in shots. And, you know, they, they come out with a win and, and, and I'm not going to say that that's the formula, but every game, it's something along those lines. And they're coming out with ways to be, competitive in every game i would say i don't think they've played any game that's been decided by more than two goals in probably a couple months almost it's it's it feels like it's been a while maybe there's an outlier in there somewhere but they're kind of in every game whether they win whether they lose you know it's close and uh you know they just uh, got a i would say their most comfortable win since the early season against lafc uh this past uh this past weekend with a with a 2-0 win um, at home, but they've been better on the road than they have at home, which is another one of the weird things. And I know that's true for the Sounders as well. Um, but that's, I, I asked Matias Almeida, it's like, do you feel good going into road games seeing as you're playing better on the road this year? And he's like, no, absolutely not. We need to like completely fix our home game situation. I would much rather do well at home. And, uh, you know, they're, they've kind of been against the grain, uh, in that way. And of course, this game is being played in San Jose at PayPal Park. Uh, what has been like, do you think there's anything to be like, I don't know. I think like when I watch the Sounders, I sometimes feel like they are more comfortable when they're playing on the counter, when they don't necessarily have as much pressure to possess the ball, because they are also a team that is much better. Like they're on a potentially record breaking streak mm-hmm. uh, for most road points in an MLS season. And meanwhile, their home form is right now on pace for the worst that they've ever had in the MLS era, uh, which is not awful, but high bar and all that kind of thing. Uh, but what is it about the earthquakes that you think is maybe not working as well at home as it is on the road? 
I think you're onto something with that particular comment. I, I do think that the Quakes also play a little bit better. This version of the Quakes, anyway, plays better counterattacking. And the, the, one of the reasons for that is because you've got a lot of pace up top. Um, you've got uh, Cade Cowell, everyone knows about, and he hasn't been starting games, but now you've got that kind of speed coming off the bench when he does come on. Benji Kakanovich, nobody knows this guy. He played for I don't know who he two is. years at Sacramento State. And uh, basically quit because he was so far ahead of everybody that he kept, uh, they kept trying to injure him every game. So he basically quit and signed on for Reno 1868 under Ian Russell. Uh, it was a Quakes affiliate um, in Reno last year. Um, Seattle product, like, Ian Russell. Seattle product, Ian Russell, also a Quakes product. So we can kind of share that yes. with Ian. <laughs> and uh, he did win two MLS Cups in, in San Jose. Um, and, uh, the, uh, so, and, and he, uh, was plagued by injuries. So we didn't really even get to see what he could do, but, uh, the Quakes, uh, scouting staff had really been watching this guy for a while, kind of grew up in the North Bay, uh, area. And, uh, he is, no one knows this, but he's six one and he is as fast, maybe even a touch faster than Kate Cowell. So now you've got, maybe he's not as athletic as Kate, but some tools there. So now you've got Christian Espinoza, who's blessed with, with, amazing speed you've got Benji Kakanovich you've got Cade Cowell like that's a team that's kind of built for a counter-attacking right and and it in shades of you know what what I think uh, you guys had with uh, Jordan Morris up top and Rui Diaz and such in the past couple seasons you know that's that's what the Quakes are kind of blessed with up top right now is that kind of raw speed and talent and now with Shofis playing underneath in that in that 10 role He's going to be commanding attention. And last game, he and Kikanovich hooked up for an easy tap in, um, you know, and then of course he's got 11, uh, what has he got? He's got 11 goals in the goals. season now, six goals in his last three games, including a penalty uh, in, in that total, but he's had three straight team of the weeks. Um, I'm not even sure he's a 10. He really kind of feels like this kind of hybrid winger 10 thing, um, but somehow he's finding a way to get it done with that pace up top. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the counterattacking on the road has been a formula that has has worked for them. It's not a style Matias Almeida likes to play, but I think it's just one that works because of that kind of pace. Yeah, you know, so digging a bit into trophies, this is a player who hasn't, I, I, he doesn't seem like he's really been able to put it together anywhere, but all of a sudden it is kind of like he's, he's a player that has promise and he, he was at Chivas for a long time, mm -hmm. uh, but he seems to really be finding some good form right now. Uh, he's, you know, what, what kind of, what can you tell us about him as a player? Well, the, the one thing is that uh, he was, he was kind of derided a bit by Chivas fans for always looking a little bit chunky. Um, he's kind of a short and, and he just kind of has this kind of stocky stature. That's I think natural to his body type. Um, and a lot of people thought he wasn't fit or whatever coming into training camp, but uh, you know, Matias has a way of, of, you know, getting players fit. Um, it certainly is something the Quakes are known for is their rugged offseason workouts. And uh, Matias likes his players very fit and, you know, Shofis to whatever extent possible has thinned out. I think he's kind of figured out just like other players have had to, had to figure out, you know, MLS as compared to Liga MX or wherever they're coming from. And, you know, he's starting to figure that out. And, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of hit that stride of, okay, this is what works. Every goal, by the way, has been with his left foot. I, just about every goal he cuts in a little bit on it. That's why I think he's, he's really more of a winger. Um, 
but uh, he likes to go back post and they're almost unsavable because he's got such bend on his shots that regardless of the keeper positioning, he can get you in the back post. Um, and, uh, you know, he's been money with that left foot really all season, but now he's got like undeniable confidence to go with it. So one of the players who I, I would imagine Sounders fans are, are familiar with it for no other reason, his time with the U S national team is Jackson Ewell, who the last time we talked, he was in a bit of a, a he wasn't in a, in a great place. He had kind of, he was starting to fall out with the national team. He did get called back in this last time, although I, he didn't play, uh, where, how, is, how are things going with Jackson Ewell? It's a good question. So Jackson has, has kind of had to spend a bit of time playing um, more like a, a double eight or a 10 for Almeida. He's really more of a natural regista type six who, who sits deep and sprays the ball around. But one of the things that he also possesses is he's one of the best pressers on the team. And I think the way that Almeida's needed to utilize Shofis and then this kind of constant rotation of of yellow card suspensions and injuries and different things that's kind of plagued the central midfield and such, you know, uh, Jackson's been in a different spot almost every game, but Almeida more often than not recently has been putting him, you know, up higher and having him be part of the press. And that's actually helped the quakes win the ball a bit higher. And I think some of their more recent success can be attributed you know, to that in that they're getting the ball in better positions and then they're immediately getting out on the front foot and, and, and utilizing that speed. Um, they just haven't, they, they just tend to possess the ball a bit more at home and in, and kind of slow the game down and it gets a little bit more plotting and the defense gets a little bit more set. And I, you know, at that point they don't do well, you know, breaking teams down, but when they win the ball with that press and they get forward quickly, you know, that's how they scored their first goal against LAFC. And, and many of the, the goals that have come on this recent, recent stretch have come from that type of uh, pressing play. So switching gears a bit, uh, one of the things that I, the other things that I think Sounders fans are interested in as far as the earthquakes go, aside from this game, is their GM search, which is going on right now. Chris Leach right. is, is essentially running the team. He's kind of had a hand in, in building this team for a while. But we do keep hearing Craig Weibel's name mentioned. He's a former earthquake. He has a, a lot of history in, you know, this part of the, in the West Coast. Uh, does that, like, what, what, how would you handicap that search right now? How close do you think the earthquakes are to, to naming a GM, permanent GM? So one of the names that I would throw in there that has been mentioned uh, in, in the press, uh, and I've heard it in, in my digging around as well, is uh, Albright from Philadelphia. And I, it does sound like right now, Cincinnati's really pursuing him heavily. And is, he's, he seems to be clearly their lead candidate in their particular search. And it sounds like he's kind of falling out a bit on the earthquake search. He's my least favorite of the candidates. My, my, you know, between the two, I think either uh, Wabel or Leach is a win for the earthquakes. There has been a rumored fourth mystery candidate. I thought I had a beat on that one. I actually approached them. They claim that they're not a candidate. I heard again today their name as the, as the mystery candidate. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's worth saying who it is, to be quite honest. So if, uh, if it ends up not being either Wavell or Leach, then I guess we'll find out at the same time who that mystery candidate was all along. But uh, certainly, I think the Earthquakes fans that I'm in contact with 
they feel really good if it's going to be Craig Wabel. But I would say that they feel equally as good, particularly given the move that he made for Jeremy Abobasi, um, which fans really liked. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, Chris Leach has shown, you know, through various means and mechanisms over the years that he is kind of a true Quakes guy. And a lot of people really feel like he's earned the opportunity to be the general manager of this team. Uh, and the, and the Abobasi move in their mind just cements the fact that he would be a quality GM. Yeah. And it, it, it's funny, all the, there's a bunch of, there's actually, I think three open GM positions right now. There's FC Cincinnati, there's Houston Dynamo and there's San Jose Earthquakes. And I guess it's not totally surprising that a lot of the same people are being mentioned, but it, it seems to be like, three or four people are in the running for these three jobs. Uh, <laughs> Same names over and over. Right. And it's like one, there's like one team specific candidate for each, each one, but um, it's going to be fascinating to see. It would be like, it's, it's at this point hard for me to imagine that like Craig Weibel, we, we heard just got turned that like he just turned down the FC Cincinnati job. He's rumored to be uh, tied to the earthquakes job. Like we just talked about, he's too, rumored to be tied for the, to the dynamo job, which, for a lot of the same reasons, obviously the, the connection between the earthquakes and the dynamo, that makes sense. Right. Um, but it's, it's hard for me to ma- imagine him making it to his year anniversary based on all this interest that seems to be in him uh, getting a top job again. But uh, it, it'll be interesting. I, I, I wonder what the philosophy will be of, of the San Jose earthquake going forward. Um, you know, do you have a preference? Do you think, do you think there's anything to this idea that they could, mimic like the rapids who are using their allocation money sort of as an internal trans like they're an internal transfer market if you will as well, opposed to paying salaries it's an excellent question um certainly you know they're uh the owner um john fisher who also owns the oakland a's which are known for their moneyball you know method uh under billy bean he everyone knows he doesn't like to spend a lot of money on his sports teams all right so uh, I am an A's fan, so I'm very well aware. <laughs> so you know very well how that works. And um, since he is the owner, certainly a setup like what you're talking about has been proposed by many of us to be the, the type of one that the earthquake should be looking to do. In fact, I had actually proposed that uh, Fran Taylor, who's the assistant general manager of the Rapids, you know, ought to be a general manager uh, candidate. Um, and for the exact reason that you're saying, they've done such a great job in doing that internal kind of MLS talent thing. But I think a lot of people feel like that's something Chris Leach can also do. And yeah. uh, Chris Leach is also extremely good at identifying homegrown talent. Uh, he's had a personal hand in a lot of the uh, signings that the Earthquakes have done from a homegrown side that have turned out. And that includes Kate Cowell. Uh, that includes JT Marcinkowski, their current uh, goalkeeper. And, uh, and many other uh, signings that I think will, will pan out in the coming years. He's, uh, he's very engaged in drafting. Um, he understands, he has relationships with, with all the local universities and the top players there. And the earthquakes tend to draft from uh, uh, California or nearby uh, universities. And they've done extremely well. They have a starting center back right now, uh, that uh, uh, Beeson, who came out of Stanford, uh, uh, Yule, uh, Jackson Yule, who we talked about from UCLA, UCLA, you know, so they've had a history of, of drafting locally and it's worked pretty well for them um, because they don't have a large scouting staff. 
and, and that's a philosophy that I think works regardless of, you know, who is the general manager. I think that that is a philosophy they're going to have to adopt, by the way, which is completely opposite of what uh, Jesse Fiorinelli did. And I like Jesse Fiorinelli quite a bit, but the one thing I think that he got wrong was the fact that he felt, felt like talent had to come from outside of MLS in order to do better than the other teams in MLS, um, that you couldn't get MLS talent and outdo other MLS teams in the long run by pursuing the same talent that they were pursuing. And that was just a, a thought process that he had that I think ultimately was kind of proven wrong. And the Colorado Rapids, Colorado Rapids are at the forefront of, of that kind of philosophy that you mentioned, and it's working well for them. They're in the third spot right now in, in the West, and I, I, they're very solidly in the race and could even come out as one of the top two seeds. Yeah, it strikes me as you got to probably, like most things, there's, there's a balance. And you, you got to have some internal knowledge of how things work here. I think it's a league that uh, has been proven time and time again to be a tough nut to crack for, for people who think they can kind of come in and, and reinvent. Like, had no one ever thought of bringing in only foreign players? Uh, <laughs> why, why isn't everyone doing this? Uh, but at the same time, oh, it's yeah. like, right, it's, it, it, it seems uh, equally uh, foolhardy to think that you can build a team with all domestic players and, and like to the Rapids credit, you know, they have, they, they've been able to sprinkle in a lot of players, especially from the English championship right. uh, into, into their roster. And, and I don't know, I, I like the idea of having a lot of teams having different philosophies about how to build rosters. Cause I think that makes a much more interesting and uh, compelling league. Uh, you mentioned Jeremy Obobese. Is he still injured or is he, is he back now? No. So he is being upgraded from out to questionable. Okay. Uh, for this particular game, the rumor uh, was that, and, and we don't have access to practices like, like you do here uh, in the Bay Area, um, but the rumor was that he was uh, going to return to training this week if he felt ready to return to training. He had been cleared uh, to be able to return, and uh, so the, it was more up to him and, and how he felt and, uh, and that type of thing. So it'll be interesting to see if he's available for selection tomorrow to me feels soon. I think it's more likely that we would see him a first appearance by this weekend, but I also won't be shocked if he makes the 20 and gets a five or 10 minute run out at the end, just to see, you know, how he feels if he feels up to it. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, please check out Quake's Epicenter or Aftershock, which is the pod, the podcast, right? Is podcast on, on YouTube. You can go on YouTube and search for The Aftershock. In fact, we will carry the live Quake's press conference and do analysis after the game. And yeah. several fans more than welcome to, to join in and attend. I got to say, you guys do... I, I'm impressed with how much, like, post-game, live post-game coverage you guys do. It's almost like you have, uh, you have a lot of that, that sort of access that I think every team would benefit from. Uh, but it's, I, I think you, what you guys have done over there is, is very impressive. And I just wanted to, to congratulate you on that. And uh, hopefully Quakes fans are, are following you. No, same for Sandra and, at heart. We, I, I've really enjoyed your coverage and getting to meet you and your team. And uh, you guys do an amazing, amazing job as well. Yeah. And by all means, hope we see you out at training one of these days. Uh, it's not too far from you. We're over in, it's probably That's true. 15 or 20 minute drive from you. Absolutely. Uh, maybe I'll uh, take you up on that. Maybe we'll uh, make an appearance sometime. Awesome. Well, this is, uh, I'm Jeremiah Sheehan. 
Uh, thanks to Jamon Moore for uh, coming on and uh, we will see you next time. Hopefully we have a good one uh, on Wednesday.